C.S. Lewis wrote, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Now, his point was neither one of those is very good. He wrote that in, in a book that he wrote called The Screwtape Letters. And I, I believe it's so important for us to remind one another so that we don't fall into either one of those, those traps. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity to remind you of some things about Satan, who he is, what he does, our defense against him, and also our hope. Now, it's not going to be something that we just kind of move from one point to the next point so much, but you'll kind of notice that at several of these different slides that we're going to be looking at, at these different passages that we will look at, You'll notice that multiple ones of these things might be combined all together, but we'll work our way through these, and I want to share with you a few things uh, about Satan. For starters, uh, we do know him um, all the way back from the very first uh, pages of the Bible, back in Genesis chapter 3. 
Now, in Genesis chapter 3, that's whenever the serpent, as he's called right there, is introduced. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And you know how that went. Well, the very last uh, book of the Bible, in Revelation 20, verse 2, we see this phrase about Satan, and it says, He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. This tells us that that serpent, without a doubt, is who we call the devil, who we call Satan. And that's found in Genesis 3 and then Revelation 20, verse 2. We also notice here kind of a little bit of a warning. This is about who Satan is and also how he can still impact us today. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You see, the devil, Satan, he can still lead us astray just like he did Eve at the beginning of time. That is why we need to protect ourselves. That is why we need to be aware of who Satan is and what he has done and what he stands for. And we do not need to be standing for the same thing. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking to people who they're not believing in him. They're not believing in our heavenly father. And in John 8, 44, Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We see that there is absolutely no truth in him whatsoever. Now, I mean, almost any person that we encounter, there's going to at least be some type of truth. Even in, even in kind of the deepest of lies, there's almost always just a hint of some bit of truth. But with Satan, apparently what Jesus says right here is there is no truth within him. Whenever he speaks, it's just his native uh, language. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. And also John writes in 1 John 3 verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Now, that first phrase, of course, tells us about the, the sinfulness that Satan has been in and that he has been sinning from the very beginning. But that last sentence, oh, I love it because it tells us the reason why Jesus came. The reason why the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's works. Well, you know, what, what does that look like? And whenever we, uh, whenever we see the works that the devil is doing, what do those types of works look like in uh, our lives? Well, Peter warns us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Satan is described as going around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, you know, there's so much that you see about this. It's not just a, a lion who is crouching down and hidden among, the, you know, the, the high grasses or anything like that. No, this is a roaring lion, one that already believes he can take down his prey, because that's why a, a lion, as I understand it at least, thankfully I've never experienced this in person, but as I understand it, just before a lion is going to attack and they know that they're going to get their prey, that's when they roar. That's whenever they attack. That's whenever they devour. And that's how the devil is described right here. And then we are told to resist him. 
How are we supposed to resist him? Well, this passage even hints at that, about standing firm in our faith. Our faith is what can give us the strength to be able to stand firm and to be able to resist Satan. Also, in the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, we see another way in which Satan might come at us. It's not always necessarily the big right up front, the roaring lion that's going to pounce on you. It might look like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The Apostle Paul, he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Sometimes this is how Satan attacks us. Sometimes this is how Satan gets at us. He gets at us like a thorn in the flesh, some type of, of, of irritation, something that produces torment. It's not always the big roaring lion that's right out front. Sometimes it can be a bit more subtle than that. In fact, sometimes Satan is described as just kind of blocking uh, their pathway of, of what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they're, they're, um, they're planning on perhaps spreading the gospel. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read that uh, Paul, he was, he was planning on um, going to them and being with them and, and being with Christians. But Satan was blocking their way. Sometimes that's how he does it. It's not always just right up in our face. Sometimes it is very subtle. And sometimes um, we, uh, uh, we are often, at least, uh, affected by it in some way. And right here, the devil, um, he has different ways of which he attacks. And Satan himself, um, he also uh, goes by several different names. You know, as you might have noticed, I've been calling him the devil sometimes. I've been calling him Satan sometimes. We noticed from the very beginning that he was called the dragon, the serpent, the devil, or Satan. And he's got other names even besides that too. In fact, some of the names that he is, is given are a little concerning. I'll just put it that way. He has names like this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 34, we read, But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Now, they also said the same type of thing in Matthew 12, 24. I don't have it on the screen, but it reads, But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So, now what they're talking about is they're, they're blaming Jesus and they're, they're accusing him of driving out demons by the prince of demons. But this is the name that Satan gets, Beelzebub, or the prince of demons. He's the big one in charge. You know, that passage I started off with about C.S. Lewis, it was talking about the devils. Well, this one is talking about kind of the, the big devil, the one who's in charge of, of all uh, these others, so to speak. The ones who, as far as I can gather, he's the first one who, who went uh, wrong and he led others to do the same. Well, those are some of the names that he's given. Prince of Demons, Beelzebub. We also see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, um, talking about the way that they used to live. He says, you used to live uh, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I mean, look at the way that he's described right here. Described as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's also the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Those are two different ways that he's described. And those can be a little concerning because we, we've got to recognize Satan does have a bit of power. In fact, quite a bit of power. That's why he's described as a prince. That's why he's described as a ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, this is not the kingdom of God. This is not the kingdom of heaven. This is different. This has to do with connection with, I guess you could also look at it, 
followed the ways of the world. This is kind of the kingdom of the world, uh, the world powers that Satan is in charge of, the spirit who is among those who are disobedient. That is Satan's realm. That is his dominion. That is of which he is the ruler. And we uh, need to be avoiding some of those uh, things that he is involved in. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he is called this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil is actually called the God of this age. Yeah, you start looking at this and you see he's got a bit of power. And at this point, when, with this slide, it can be a little concerning. You look at this and you wonder, how can we make it? How can we do these things? How, how can we stand up? Yes, we've, we've noticed that it has to be by our faith. But what does that look like whenever you're standing up to the devil? Well, it kind of looks like this. And now we get into some of, of our defense and what we have to be able to use against Satan. Our faith is one of those. We've already looked at that. But there's more as well. In Matthew chapter 6, we know this as the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Verses 9 through 13, Jesus says, This then is, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now he goes on into more, but when you look at that, it's a familiar prayer. And this is how he wanted us to pray. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to repeat it word for word, though there's nothing wrong with that. But this is it, he, the last phrase that he says right here in verse 13 is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is something that we need to be doing. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying collectively that God, our Heavenly Father, will deliver us from the evil one. Now, Jesus also uh, referenced this too in John chapter 17. He, he said in the midst of his prayer in verse 15, he says, my prayer is not that you take them, speaking about his disciples, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he tells them again, you know, he, we get this insight here into this prayer that not only does Jesus say, yes, you all need to pray to be delivered from the evil one, but he himself actually did it like numerous times. He prayed for us. Now, I believe that we also need to take this. And of course, we need to be praying for one another uh, as well. So we have our faith. We have prayer. That can be our defense against Satan. Now, we do have hope in all of this, though. And the hope that we have is found entirely through the power, the authority, the might of Jesus Christ. And I want to, to give you a couple of glimpses here from the book of Revelation. Now, I understand that the book of Revelation is one that is full of, of images and kind of symbols and all, but there is something very powerful at the heart of these symbols, especially about Satan and the hope that we can have that he will be overcome in the future. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, we're not going to look at this whole thing, but this whole thing is dealing with uh, Jesus coming and whenever he comes, and, and this is dealing with um, Satan right here and what happens to him. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, we read, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They do not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This passage right here tells us a lot about how to endure. Yes, we endure through our faith. Yes, we endure through prayers. But we also see that this moment, whenever uh, the, Satan, whenever he is, is uh, hurled down and he is just kind of thrown around back and forth in this, you know, obviously, yes, he has power. Yes, he has might. But it's nothing compared to the kingdom of our God. The kingdom of Satan is not the same as the kingdom of our God. We see salvation, we see power, all of these things coming from this kingdom of heaven, coming from the kingdom of God because of Jesus Christ, his Messiah. We also notice right here in this passage that yes, Satan does accuse our brothers and perhaps even us before God, but yet he has been hurled down. How did the brothers and sisters triumph over him? Verse 11 tells us they triumph over him by two things, by the word of the Lamb uh, sorry, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Can we be people who rest assured in those things? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is powerful. What Christ has done for each and every single one of us, what Christ has done to defeat Satan. He did it by shedding his own blood. That is the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb which covers us, each and every single one of us. And Revelation chapter 12 tells us, Yes, Satan is powerful, but his power is not as much. It's not as great as the power of God. And we see finally what ultimately happens to the devil is described in Revelation chapter 20 now. In Revelation chapter 20, uh, I know it's kind of lengthy, but I, I don't know that you could really take this apart too much and still get the whole message. So I want to read it uh, verses 1 through 10 of Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which there were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come, out, uh, come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This passage 
we kind of know it as you know the thousand years right here. We typically focus on the thousand-year reign of Christ, don't we? But yet during that thousand-year reign of Christ, we see that this is also a thousand years in which Satan is going to be bound, is going uh, to be uh, uh, held captive right here in the abyss is what's mentioned. So see, Satan is bound for a thousand years. His power is not the same as the power that's found in our Christ, in Jesus Christ. We see the Word of God working. We see this testimony about Jesus. We are reminded to pray for one another. We are reminded about the faith that we must have. And we see that ultimately what's going to happen to Satan. You know, there's this big, epic, ending battle that is described right here. And you expect it to be this huge thing. But yet what you find out is it's over with almost before it began. Because God is the one who's in control. Jesus Christ has come. And he's tying up all of these loose ends, if you kind of want to look at it like that. He takes the devil and he, he throws him into the lake of burning sulfur. We see this being described. That lake is that lake of fire that is also described as to where the beast and also the, prof, the false prophet have gone. And that is their end. That, 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 is, the, that is the death. That is the, the final statement about Satan. That's the last time that you see him in the scripture. The first time that you see him, he's, he's moving among the people and he's deceiving them. The last time that you see him, he is thrown out, completely out, into this lake of burning sulfur. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That is how we can overcome. So, yes, from time to time, we need to remind one another about Satan. But let's make sure that every single time that we speak of Satan, that we recognize Jesus Christ has so much more power and Jesus Christ is the side on whose, which we need to be every single day. Let's follow him and let's overcome. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days.